question one i agree with you they can't fire the coach right now one are they going to hire anyone internally uh who would they hire internally no one really knows the answer to that isley seems unqualified roy rogers sits behind the bench don zierden maybe so you hire don zierden who's basically randy's number two then you're going to hire the number two of the number two for a team that won two straight playoffs i don't see that happening i don't see it from a financial standpoint happening and then to come in, and then what? You're going to bring a coach in for 10 or 15, 20 games with the, the bringing his own guys, or he's going to have to keep Randy Whitman's guys? How does that all work? I, I, just, I, just, I just don't see that happening. I don't see Ted Leonsis believing that. For, for the reasons you laid out, for the instability reasons, uh, Ted Leonsis always values stability. Now, does that mean that, that it's really hard for me to defend Randy Whitman when the, when the one way I could always defend Randy Whitman was that they played amazing defense? That now this defense is really poor, and John Wall's basically giving quotes saying this defense is really bad. Now we don't even know what they're doing on offense, and the defense is poor, and they've underachieved, and maybe you that you need a fresh voice for change's sake. So it's I just see it both ways. I also don't see it happening. So I guess that I I guess maybe I chickened out on an answer. Sorry for those that want me to say fire the coach, fire him now. I know John. I know John who doesn't listen to this podcast. Maybe he does. He actually wrote that today, fire Randy Whitman. But basically he just pretty much wrote all of the things that we've been complaining about and doesn't understand and nothing will change until there's a different person in charge. I believe maybe that is 100% true. I just don't think it's going to happen on January 28th with, uh, what is it now, 39 games left. But do you believe if, if they don't make the playoffs or they lose, uh, they make the 7th or 8th seed and lose that he's probably – that his option isn't picked up. And I think, cause to me, that's the most likely outcome. If you want a new coach. Um, well, you know, I, I think so. Okay. So, so let's play out the, the world that they don't make the playoffs. Now, obviously, you know, you factor in, he did make the playoffs the two years before, but not making the playoffs, you know, would be, would give you an opportunity to make a change. Um, you know, I almost would look at it like this. The Wizards next year, one way or the other, are going to be a very different team. Because what do they have under contract? you got John Wall, presumably Beal. You know, he's a restricted free agent. Presumably he'll be back one way or the other. you got Otto. you got Oubre. you got Gortat. And, and I think Humphreys. I think Humphreys, and that's it. Humphrey, I, think, I think Humphreys is a team option. I know some of the contract sides don't say that. I think it's a team option. but Team option. Event. But he's the only one that potentially has like some type of 
Same yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I can imagine, like, say, Garrett Temple, but, you know, whatever, either way, it's only, like, six or seven guys, and, and you're missing, you're basically your entire front court is Gortat and, you know, maybe Humphreys, but that's about it, so they're going to look a lot different, so if you're going to look a lot different, then, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to look a lot different with a new coach, because one thing I always think is sort of difficult is you, you bring in a new coach, and now he's sort of stuck having to deal with coach players that don't fit what he wants to do, you know what I mean? So... Um, you know, if the new coach really wants to push this small ball stuff, all right, now they have more of an opportunity to maybe go out and get pieces. You know, putting the Kevin Durant thing aside, they have an opportunity to go get guys who might be able to do what you want to do. And I uh, know that. So, yeah, I, I guess I would, just from that practical standpoint, yeah, I would I would venture to guess that with a team being as going to look as new as they will one way or the other next year, that, um, that you know, that, that, that going all the way, with the coach would be something. And also, I'll just say this. You know, I don't think this is a problem. I don't think Randy Whitman has lost the locker room or anything. But, you know, to me, a coach on a one-year deal just does not work unless that coach is like Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich. Because everybody knows sort of what the, what the, what the game is. And if you don't have that type of authority, you know, if ownership hasn't said or management hasn't said that, you know, you're the guy long term, then I, you know, you, you, on some level, just from a human being standpoint, you have to sort of be like, eh, why, why am I totally buying into what this guy is saying? Uh, to me, that's always sort of a dicey situation. So the fact that they continually have Whitman sort of hanging out here, as far as we know, on these sort of one-year deals, you know, makes me think, you know, that, that, that they're not completely locked into him. I mean, look, he made the playoffs two years in a row and won a round, and, it's, and they didn't give him a big deal. You know, they didn't give him a, uh, uh, or, you know, a real extension or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. How about this How about this theory that the injuries is used as an excuse for Mulligan, that the team, say, they barely squeak in the playoffs. I think they're still going to make the playoffs, but... I will get into that before we wrap up this show. But that they'll get a mulligan on this. So say even if they make the playoffs or they barely miss the playoffs, that the injuries allows ownership and the the management to give the staff one more year. But then does he well then, then I think that goes back to the point you're saying that he's a lame duck. How much people are gonna respect a lame duck? Does he want to stay another year? Does does he want to get does Whitman want to get it another year? Or, or does Kevin Durant just, just pick this coach if he comes here? <laughs> Dude, how, how pos- I guess my point is, how possible do you feel that the injuries is used as an excuse for a mulligan? And when fans feel that that is potential, is it the history of this franchise using injuries as an excuse, the reason fans think this? Or do they have reason to believe that this is another way, another possibility that this could happen? Uh, you know, I, you know, look, there's definitely been times almost every single season that Randy Whitman's been the head coach where it felt like the other shoe might be getting ready to drop, fair or unfair. It, ha- it always seems to have that feeling. But, you know, again, they've made the playoffs. He finds a way to win these series. P- playoff Randy is a real, it's not, it's more than just a hashtag. It's a, it's a movement. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, I don't think that can be dismissed, and, and I'm sort of with you. I just feel like if they can, you know, if, if they can just stay healthy a little bit, for, you know, if they can stay healthy for 35 of the next, you know, what do they got? They played, uh, what, they got 30, what, 39 games left? 
Yes. I mean, if they can just stay healthy for, you know, 30-ish of those games, you know, it seems reasonable to think that they can make the playoffs. So if that's the case, you make the playoffs three years in a row. We know we know where this franchise has been. Then you factor in they had these injuries. You know, even if they were to lose in the first round, yeah, I could see them saying, hey, look, we think we would have been a lot better. And now, you know, now, you know, we're going to have a whole, we're going to have this opportunity to, to, to bring people into a team that's made the playoffs three years in a row. Uh, John Wall is a player that, you know, you'd think other guys would want to play with. You know, if Bradley Beal, you know, you know, both years in the playoffs, you know, people, sometimes I know people want to dismiss Bradley Beal. And then every time he gets in the playoffs, he takes his game up a notch. And I always like the guys who play better. You know, this is why forgetting this punching stuff aside, you know, to me, Blake Griffin is a poser because in the last five minutes of big games, he's not the same guy. Whereas Bradley Beal's game seems to pick up. So, you know, if you put all that together and do free agents want to, uh, is this a place where free agents might want to come? Maybe. But that, to me, is where maybe the, the coaching change could happen. Because I don't know what the perception is in the league of Randy Whitman. But if, you know, if you're trying to attract these free agents, I mean, you know, if Durant says, hey, I'll show up if Scott Brooks is the coach, well, then, you know, Scott Brooks is going to be the coach. But even if it's not that extreme, um, you know, if, if, if playing for Coach X might be more appealing and you're in this position where you've got a lot of room and a lot of space and so do other teams, then maybe that becomes sort of one of those um, possible ways you, 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 I don't, you know, somewhat entice people by bringing in Coach X with a certain system. Maybe that makes it more appealing for some guys to want to show. But, you know, yeah, beyond that, I, I, sure, I could see the notion of, hey, we had a lot of excuses. Uh, I'm sorry, we had a lot of injuries, and therefore, um, you know, we're going to run it back again. Sure, I, I could see that. Now, where does John Wall where does John Wall play in this with with Randy Whitman? Because what we've just seen was LeBron James getting rid of essentially David Blatt after having the best record and taking him to the finals. Hey, if he doesn't want to coach him, he wants Tyronn Lue. That's fine. I'm, sh- you know, the whispers about James Harden basically. In- I don't know. Dwight really had much to play. I know James Harden. I think was rumored to you know wanting a different change with Kevin McHale. And star players throughout the league, historically, especially in the NBA, go down the list. This isn't a new era thing. This is this is something that you can see. You can play over and over. I think Jason Kidd got multiple coaches fired. Michael Jordan. I mean, you can go to every good player or you can go to every era. You see this happening. The NBA is special. So it's not different. But And I can see why they actually have more leverage and power when you're you know an awesome employee. You're very vital in the organization. You know, you can, you have a say to ownership and management of who you kind of want to play for. That doesn't mean that you just still don't listen to your coach, which some people don't interpret. What do you think John Wall plays in all this? Now, I know John Wall is not – I never would have said that he would have – I think I think John Wall felt bad that he got flips, flipped, rest in peace flip. The flip Saunders, Saunders fired because I think John Wall kind of took that on himself because he played really poorly. And the team was doing really bad, and John Wall was young, still trying to – find his, his way in the league and flipped really helped him and they just were you know not playing well and the team obviously then just played a lot better especially defense when I keep talking about under Randy Whitman they were obviously limited with some of the some of the players uh, on some of the roster on that team and then all of a sudden they got better players and the team got better but maybe what does John Wall see this as a plateau and where does he shake out in this as now John Wall is kind of the 
Kind of. There's no kind of. John Wall is now the, the leader, in, you know, in the locker room and outside the locker room. Even though he's not the oldest player of this team, he is pretty much the leader. He's taking on these leadership roles. How much do you see him looking at what's going on with other teams and star players and their coaches? And does he? How much does he play in the factor of of the new coach or getting or keeping Whitman too, keeping or getting rid of him? Or is that just not in John Wall's personality? I, I mean, it's a tough one, right? I, I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I think John Wall has had enough power uh, since he's, you know, over the last few years. I mean, you know, you, you think about, you know, where they were, you know, from the, basically from the moment he was drafted, he's been on some level the face of the franchise because Gilbert Arenas was on his way out. They had the clown show, uh, you know, in the locker room with him. Um, you know, they, they bring in Nene, but Nene is not really a front, you know, front and center guy. Uh, so it's basically been John Wall's team on some level. For a while, and you know, you know, we, we, you know, we we all sort of know, you know, because you're around there. We 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 understand sort of how the basics works when the, when things aren't going well. Randy Whitman says things in the press conference, whether he he doesn't always call anybody by name, but he'll say certain things that that will indicate some degree which player he's sort of talking about. You know, the ball's not moving, we didn't run. Then the reporters will go into the locker room. They'll say to John Wall, Randy Whitman said this. The player, John Wall, will say, well, I don't necessarily agree with that because you don't want to, you know, I mean, if something, John Wall does say he's, he, he screws up. He does take accountability, but he doesn't always agree with his coach. And if he, that's happened so many times, if he'd wanted Whitman gone, I think Whitman probably would be gone. So I don't think that's necessarily in his nature. Uh, by the way, you know, Let's not let's know. John, you know, John Wall did just sign with Le, LeBron James's agent. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I was going to mention not that, saying that means anything. Yeah, I was going to mention that part, but keep going. When I said yeah, he was yeah. so, looking, looking at other people in the league, that's what I was kind of referencing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I legitimately enjoy uh, talking to John Wall. You know, for a guy that is at a, you know. NBA superstar level, you know, whatever you, maybe he's not LeBron or Steph Curry, but you know, he's obviously a big, a big guy. Uh, he, he's very, he's very accommodating, even when it's pregame and he's trying to get ready. You know, if you sort of talk to him about either on or off the record, he's pretty cool. He looks you in the eye. You know, there's other guys in that locker room and other locker rooms who were not at his level, who were not nearly as cordial, but you know, also people are people and you know, we don't all act the same, but I just think in general, he seems like a pretty good guy. So, that doesn't mean he couldn't say to somebody, hey, I'd like a new coach. I just haven't seen to this point that that is his nature to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how what what role does the front office play in all this, too? Because because when the Whitman the Whitman the Whitman Fury is 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 credible now against Randy Whitman that I've seen all year, honestly, and. In the sense where there's always fire Whitman, always fire Whitman, but you know it's really hard to be like, hey, it's first month this season. Hey, you know they they got Bradley Beal's out. They're missing all these guys. Nene's out. Beal's out. Cam's like, oh, fire Whitman. Well, hey, you know it's we're 20 games in. We're 30 games in. Now we're past the halfway mark. Now they're changing the system. Now they're getting smoked at home, getting embarrassed on MLK Day by the Blazers. There's so many embarrassing losses that are piling up. Even as as you know, this team is actually arguably getting healthier, and so now the excuses for Whitman are running out. But how much is this this roster that you mentioned earlier? That and I don't maybe know all the answers that could have been done, 
but they, they go to play this new system, and they basically rely on Chris Humphreys learning the three-pointer, Jared Dudley coming off back surgery, Nene's health being a backup center, don't having no other big, having Juwan Blair on the roster, which basically fits neither of those things, of a backup center or someone athletic or someone that can shoot the three. Alan Anderson has ankle surgery. You kind of really count on him. You draft a rookie who you don't count on at all, who is actually Wait, a I, su- I, surprise I, contributor. I, I, How much is the I, roster I, I, kind of stuff, right? So, so I love I love Ernie Grunfeld debates. I've had a lot of guys I, I I know or work with in places always call me like an Ernie Grunfeld defender. Um, some of it isn't, but some of it is. I, I'm not in a rush, so if you want to keep talking, I'm cool. Yeah. We can go through the players. I mean, I'm not saying I can come up with a viable excuse for every situation, but I guess my just general point with Grunfeld is he certainly hasn't been perfect. I suspect most GMs are not. He's been far better with trades than with some of the draft picks. But to certain degrees, I can defend most of the moves he's made current with the current team and even going back to other you know notable situations over the years, Gilbert Arenas' contract and so on. So... Yeah, I, I, even drafting, you know, JaVale McGee, whatever. So you pick whoever you want to. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the. Re- I'll give you some answer. Uh, no, I'm, I guess my thing is is that I I actually def- I've defended Grunfeld more than probably the listeners even want even want to hear. So I could pander to the listeners. I can go off my Grunfeld rants, which I have a lot. I've gone off on them. Probably all the ones you want to talk about. I don't want to go in, into. All of those, all right. We'll 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 set aside all the bad ones. I just want to focus on the fact that you want to go to this new system, and then you basically are relying on Chris Humphreys to learn the three pointer, and and getting guys once again off of injuries. Now I understand why you had to get. You wanted to be flexible to sign one year players. And I understand on that. And I can defend those moves, and I think that's what you're about to defend. And I think they were good signings. I don't think – I think me and Kyle sat here in preseason and defended every single one, said that they were good moves, they were low low risk, low cost, they gave the flexibility. People, You know, there were some posts on Bolts Forever, someone wrote a few weeks ago that I vehemently disagreed with, a lot of revisionist history. You know, oh, let's get the good players that play this year now on cheap, and you know, avoid the bad ones. Oh, I, you know, I totally I, saw that he picked he picked out like the four or five guys like Will Barton. <laughs> yeah, like who worked out? And, like, and, like, you put out him like, oh, <laughs> yeah, come oh, on. Oh yeah, unless you said in the preseason that Will Barton was going to become like the most improved player in the league. Biombo I mean, was, you knew that. Like Biombo was another one, and then he was like, oh yeah, but Dudley's worked out, so we'll just ignore him. I was like, no, that's not how it works. Like you don't get to just like pick the ones that have played well and then discard the ones that haven't. I just don't know how much this, not having an athletic big, not having another guy that can create his own shot, how much this goes into drafting, not maybe drafting Bobby Porter, so we can relive that debate, honestly, and how much, like, you're, you're changing this to a system, and it seemed like they didn't even get stopgats to really change the system, and counting on some veterans that had questionable health, like Drew Gooden, and even a to a lesser extent, even though he was on contract, that, that, and then you get two guys that were coming off of surgery. Now the Dudley one has panned out actually better than they than they thought. And and I don't even know. I thought recently maybe these last couple of games that Whitman maybe was buying some minutes for Dudley by not starting him. But then he played him a lot too. So and th- but then last night against the Raptors he put Gooden in before him and he said something had to do with rebounding, which I didn't think it really that made that much sense. But 
defend Randy Whitman, or not defend Randy Whitman, why is Grunfeld, why would you think that Grunfeld done an okay job this year? And I'm not even saying Grunfeld's done a bad job. It's just that when all this ear goes down on Randy Whitman, and once, I think that management had good intentions, and just some of their moves have not worked out, and the, the lack of athleticism, and the lack of really playing the small ball lineup has really hurt this team, or maybe the plan is, this really is the plan, and that it, we're going all in on Kevin Durant or Al Horford, and a lot of this was just to kind of see what we can squeeze out of Bradley Beal and Nene's last year in, in a, you know, elite John Wall. Um, well, okay, yeah, yeah, so there's so much to get into. In yeah, terms yes. of the current, in terms of the current team, um, look, I think Jared Dudley was a great move. He see, I mean, first of all, the price was zero. They literally gave up nothing to get him. That second round pick, whatever, it's probably never even gonna, yes. never it's gonna never, happen. Yes, correct. So, so they got him for nothing, and he's he's a perfect player. The the the, the only issue is, I mean, like you said, he's played more. I think that probably everybody imagined, including himself, coming off back surgery. The thing is that when he's not playing, they don't really have a stretch for Chris Humphreys. Can only do some of it, but Chris Humphreys improved a lot. Um, yes, Chris did play and, well. And, you know, yeah, I mean his shooting. I mean, you know, again, at least from the one aspect of that, he improved a lot. And um, you know, Alan Anderson. You know, look, I don't know. I I guess they assumed he was going to be healthy. Like I I, I wasn't like. Going crazy when they signed him. Either way, he's fine, and I understand why they wanted him. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm just going to assume that you know whatever you know how things happen and guys get hurt and that that's sort of bad luck. You're you're sort of buying on the cheap. You're taking a little bit of a risk because he's coming off surgery and it didn't pan out, um, or at least it hasn't to this point. Maybe it will down the stretch. The only thing I guess I would say is. Maybe Drew Gooden, on some level, was if Chris Humphreys is going to improve his shot. You know, maybe they don't know, but if Chris Humphreys is going to become that guy, do you need Chris Humphreys and Drew Gooden? Wouldn't it be better just have to have one of them with you know some summer league big man who's got some legs that maybe you couldn't you know whatever he you know that, I mean Drew Gooden's fine. I'm just saying, do you need Drew Gooden and? Drew and Chris Humphreys, if they're both sort of doing the same things. So from a roster standpoint, Dewan Blair, my only Dewan Blair, by the well, way. Uh, you know what? I, I'm a Dewan Blair. I'm a Dewan Blair, Blair sucker. Yeah, I really. I was. I mean, I, I was in. I was all in for that. I. It's not worked out at all. I'm, I've been sort of really surprised. He seems like he has a good attitude, but yeah. I, it just hasn't worked out at all. Guys, I think Wall likes him. They seem to have very good handshakes together. Uh, Beal, they have good handshakes, but yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the locker room, he seems pleasant enough, so, you know, I don't know. So that, that hasn't worked out. Um, now, again, if I, the, the, but the reality, you mentioned this with the one-year contracts. I mean, the reality is, whether they're going to get Kevin Durant or not, they put themselves in the position to, in theory, be in the mix for him, and maybe also they put themselves in a bind that they at least need to play it out like they're trying to get him. Like, can you imagine the outrage? If they went yes. out and made some moves last year and they then couldn't automatically put themselves in position to get Durant from just from a salary cap standpoint, how people would be insane. Dude, Ben, I've made that point probably every Kevin Durant conversation like I've had on this podcast. I'm like, we, the, the, the screeching headlines that people would make, the mocking that they would have. I mean, the whole KD to DC movement would be up in arms. You know, like, oh, you don't even have enough money to sign them. You know? 
So I don't blame him for that at all. Think about it it this way. Just practically speaking, I mean, we see this all the time, right? I mean, if you can put yourself in a position to get that guy, I mean, mean, look at the difference in Cleveland when they got LeBron. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying Kevin Durant is LeBron, but maybe he is. I mean, he's one of the five best players in the league. Yeah. And if you can get him, if you could just sign, I mean, hypothetically sign him as a free agent and not have to give up anything that you already have, you know, you don't have to trade Otto or Uber or something or Beal, think about how much better you automatically are going to be. So th- that is the easiest way for them to, to be a real title contender. So you, uh, whether he's going to come here or not, you have a chance to get this guy on some level you you take that chance. I don't have an issue with that, especially considering that I know people were like, "Well, the Wizards didn't get better this year." My, you know, my my point is: look, if Bradley Beal plays like he did in the playoffs, the Wizards are going to be better. If Otto Porter plays like he did in the playoffs, the Wizards are going to be better. Then you factor in that I think they have a a, a more complete team, a deeper team. Jared Dudley, you know, I mean, they have sessions for a whole year. They didn't have sessions a year ago for the you know a, a whole year. He's been good. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? I, I think just by, you know, John Wall's going to get better. So I thought by that sense they could get better. They've had bad luck with injuries. I mean, I, you know, but how much Soleil, Boulay, whatever you want. But how much is that? Is that should they not expect the injuries in that at this point? Or or, or they're just going to be constantly snake-bitten? Like, like, are we just expecting that Bradley Beal is just not going to – he's going to play as many games he has? Or Nene's going to play – I mean, we already know Nene – doesn't really matter. I think they already kind of expecting an A. That's why they kind of. That's why they moved into the backup center role for a little less wear and tear, and along with wanting to play a different style. But how much should they just kind of expect them to? I guess sadly, be injured a lot. I don't know. Maybe well, get younger I mean, guys. Does that sound weird to say? Yeah, I mean, Beal's sort of. It's it Beal's a tricky one because he's, he's young, young and, and getting hurt. Yeah. So that's like twice half the. Terms of the other guys. You no, know, just generally speaking, you have older players. The odds of player of them getting hurt are probably greater, and their entire, literally, not counting Dewan Blair, their entire big man rotation is all thirty and over. That's why, I mean, to go back to the draft, that's why I wanted them to take Bobby Portis because it would have given them a young big man. So again, you look to next year when they, if the, your basic core is John Wall, Beal, Otto, Portis. That's plus core tot. So you kind of have a starting five, you know, whereas when now that you have Ubre, you don't have a big man who's under 30 and, and, and you know, you know what I mean? Otto, Ubre, and Beal, you know, they can all play a lot of minutes, but you know what I mean? That's not a, you can't play them all together. So, um, that's why another reason I kind of want Ubre to play. Because maybe you trade him. Maybe you trade Otto. You know, you make one of these guys, like, trade someone high to get a young big with a pick. You know you know what I mean? Like, you have some flexibility. I mean, when you, say, if you land a big free agent, right, and then you go and you package something for a Kevin Love type of player. I mean, I don't know who that would be. Or, heck, maybe Kevin Love. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, where there is, you're, you have a younger kind of asset that you can dangle out there. I really un- I understand that. It just that doesn't really seem to the Wizards don't really seem to ever develop these kind of younger players with some still some trading talent. It they just seem to trade the players either when their tr- value is low or they're or non-existent. Uh, yeah, and, and so but and to sort of go back to why we're at sort of the Wizards are in this position on some level. I mean, I think there's something so you definitely have to. You know, this is sort of the downside of of Grunfeld is the draft because 
you know, from 2009 on, they, they trade, uh, I mean, they got John Wall between 2009 and 2011. They, they, they get John Wall. That's obviously great. But they have literally nothing out of 2009 season. Wall's 2010, but Trevor Booker, they get him, he's gone. Uh, Kevin Serafin, they get him, he's now gone. They both left for nothing. Uh, the next year, Jan Vesely and Chris Singleton, obviously that was a disaster. Um, Shelvin Mack, the forget the fact that Shelvin Mack, he's obviously been a Jordan Crawford too. They trade Joe well, Crawford. Your boy. No, but I mean, he was a first round pick they got in a trade. I mean, so you, he kind of, right. I mean, we didn't draft him, but he was essentially a first round pick. Right, right. I mean, the, I know you're, you know, we, we may disagree on the Jordan Crawford thing, but the fact that he's in China, I think, sort of shows the Wizards went the right way there. But, the point is nothing to show you know, for anybody. Just from a just from a youth, I mean, but just from a youth standpoint, if you if you know, if Trevor Booker or Jan Vesely, forget that they're an all star. They're just a viable player who you know they're they're Brandon Wright, the guy you can play for twenty minutes and give you something. If they had that energy, you know that would be interesting. But they don't have that guy, so that instead they have all these older guys. And you know, obviously, if you have a fast guy like John Wall, you wouldn't in theory want older guys. Yeah, I mean, you also can go back. They traded two picks to, to draft Glenn Rice Jr. That didn't work out. They traded, they sold their pick, which was Jordan Clarkson. That was a bad mistake. And then last year they traded up to get Ubre when maybe they could have got, they could have got Bobby, Bobby Portis if they stayed there and they would have the pick. And so those are, the, those are the moves that make me frustrated when this team can't win 50 games and they barely can stay over 500 this year. We know the reasons why. That's why I get frustrated where sometimes they seem to make these moves where, I don't know, it's like one move is for a win now, then another move is for an Ubre in the future, but then they all don't really seem to all work out and the player development is kind of off. And that's the stuff where, and that is the thing I've, I've said before, I think me and Chris Thompson had a podcast where, to me, like that was why they have to end up signing these one-year $4 million guys and one-year $3 million guys because they don't have the booker still around, right? They don't have this young institutional guys that they still have on these on these longer-term deals. And the only way they can really get better and keep flexibility for you know next year or this summer's free agency is to sign these lower-tier kind of older type of players and not the free, not the minimum guys but not the $10 million players. With longer deals, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, all, all, all of that makes sense. Um, you know, look at the end of the day, if Bradley Beal could stay healthy, which is obviously a massive, <laughs> you know, what we see when he's right. I mean, I've been so oh. impressed with him in, in the last two postseasons because he has taken his game up a notch. Uh, you know, he hasn't been the, the moment hasn't gotten too big for him to this point, but he hasn't been able to stay on the court and. You know, if he could do that, I mean, we, I mean, think about it. Last year, he wasn't very good in the regular season. You know what I mean? So, like, we're basically going on. If if this trend continues where we're at right now, we're going to go on like two straight seasons where the guy in the regular season is kind of disappointing. But if, but in the playoffs, if he has another good one, you're like, well, what the heck? I mean, he, he's you know, he's 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 got, he's really you know an all star level player, which is what I thought we were going to get this year, and obviously, it just hasn't worked out. No, I go back to the Indiana game. It was it was less than two weeks ago, on the road. Now he doesn't play the next night in Boston. The night before he was, uh, or two games before was his Milwaukee game where he made his debut back. You know, from missing was seventeen games, eighteen games, at least a month, six weeks. And 
he was rusty. Pacers game, unbelievable. Hitting shots, off the dribble, transition, step back threes. Him and Wall had it going. Doesn't play in that Celtics game, which was an amazing game. The Trailblazers game was kind of a disaster. Uh, the Heat game, you know, I think he, he, made, he had a pretty decent game against that one, and then he gets hit, gets hit in the face, and now he has a broken, broken nose, a concussion. <laughs> and so I don't know how long he'll be out. Maybe I'll have to come back with a Rip Hamilton mask. Uh, but I think that you're right. I mean, I still think that that is why, uh, to transition to, to, to the end of this podcast, is that is why I think they're going to make the playoffs, Ben. It, it is, if Bradley Beal and John Wall stay healthy... The schedule is really easy. I, th- I think your colleague Michael Jink- Jenkins said last night on a tweet how just everyone needs to accept this team is not very good and I can make the playoffs. And I said, well, there are only two games in the loss column behind the fifth place in the fifth place person in postseason with 39 games to go. There are only five games in the loss column behind second place. That's the thing. I mean, I would venture to guess, like, I mean, for, for the last month, I constantly have people saying to me, what's wrong with the Wizards? And then I'm like, you know, they basically played 500 basketball for the last month. They would just, they would lose four and win four. But every time they would lose four, people would act like it's all over. <laughs> and yes. and when they win four, it's sort of like, well, so it's just, it, yeah, it's weird how, like, there's just, and the perception is that they're just so behind. And yet they have that, if they go on a four game winning streak, they're probably in the playoffs. Uh, and they have six games left with the Sixers and the Nets, Ben. <laughs> they have four games left with Philly. So, and they have two games left with the Nets. So there's six, I would assume six victories, even though I guess the Ish Smith led Sixers a little bit more scrappy these days than before. And I, and they still have one of the most easiest schedules left, uh, on, on the NBA. So, you know, I still think that there's a chance they, they – I mean, I don't think it's a chance. I think it's a strong possibility that they get a six or seven seed, that Beal and Wall get healthy, and who knows with an A, they're still able to maybe have a chance of a playoff Whitman and that all this stuff about doom and gloom won't really matter. I, th- I don't see them really exceeding in expectations because of, uh, because of the injuries – and, and just what's really going on from a stylistic thing, like we've now beat to a pulp. What are they trying to do now here? And that's the, I think that is that is like you like you mentioned uh, one of the most interesting interesting things left. Do you share my optimism? Even though we just did a whole podcast of uh, neg- negativity, do you share my optimism with this team? Am I am I two positive pixels? I, I still feel this is a playoff team. With John Wall and Bradley Beal are healthy. Maybe we can get some, you know, minutes out of an A, and they go back to those lineups I said, and and Otto can stay healthy and and, and kind of blossom, and you know who knows with Allen Anderson, I, I'm almost done done counting on him, but I, I still think I still think that the top eight or nine guys rotationally in a seven game series can win can win a first round and maybe even a second round. Or am I am I just am I crazy, Ben? Am I too optimistic? No, no, no. Look, you know, you know, we, we always see this in sports, right? Like when you watch a, when you watch a game, and one team in the first half, they, you know, they're getting, you know, they're forcing all the turnovers, they're making all the, the 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 three pointers, they're playing good defense, and yet somehow they're only up like four points at halftime, and you're like, doesn't it feel like they should be up like fifteen? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, that's probably not good in the second half because you know the law of averages is going to work out. And that's kind of where I feel like with the Wizards. It feels like with all that's happened to them, they should be in a much worse position. 
but uh, they're just not. And you know, obviously, at some point here, these you know things have to start going better. You can't just wait to the last fifteen games and say let's go. But it just seems like be an opportunity for them to get going here. I think Whitman's got to figure out, as we've discussed, you know, a rotational lineup, something that works for him and the players. And if these guys can just stay healthy, you know, even if, like, say, Chris Humphreys didn't come back right now, just the guys they have right now play, that should be enough to get going. Um, you know, they just got to hope that, you know, nobody else gets hurt, uh, knock on wood. Yeah. The, the, the fall, so we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow they play at home versus Denver. Then they have a little mini road trip. They play Saturday in Houston. Monday in OKC. Wednesday versus the Warriors. And then, thank God, they play the Sixers for the first time this year next Friday. Uh, ben, obviously the two that stand out are the Durant and the Warriors. I, I'm actually going to be at the Warriors game as well. The Nuggets, scrappy little young team, kind of young and veteranish kind of team. I haven't really watched them much this year. Obviously, the Rockets beat them earlier this year in Verizon Center, but the Wizards have played pretty well in Houston the last few years. Warriors and Thunder looks like a loss. Sixers a win. What, what do you see here in the next six six games coming up? Uh, how, you know, three and three. Is that is that good? Oh, hold on, was it one, two, three, four? Okay, in the Hornets. So the next five at the Hornets. But just say those five. I mean, three and two. I think you know, steal one in Houston. And beat the Sixers and the Nuggets. I mean, that's the most realistic one, unless something crazy happens against Golden State. But uh, I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna assume they're not gonna beat Golden State. You're, um, but, you know, you're, you're the snake, by the way. It's you're the snake. They're celebrating uh, uh, Happy New Year, Chinese New Year, on that game, by the way, Wednesday, February third. <laughs> Go get your tickets. But I mean, how, how many? I, I would bet. Doesn't it feel like every time this year we're all like, oh boy. Here we go. They've now lost a few in a row. There was that game a couple games ago where like Gortat's not even playing. They're like, oh, come on. They, they can't win. And then they beat the Bulls. They win at Cleveland. They win at Miami. That, you know, right now the Wizards are on a three-game road winning streak. I mean, it doesn't feel like that, right, because of all this, because of all this bad stuff. They've won their last three road games. So oh, they, I mean, they lost in Toronto last night, but yes, they'd won three before that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before that, yeah they won three before three that. Three or yeah. four, though, so, still. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 last night game was a blur to me, uh, so I keep forgetting about that one. But yeah, they won three or four. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Bottom line is, I think there's they can figure this out. They just they just gotta they just gotta get going already. Yeah. Do you? How bad was Warriors game be? In just in the Durant Thunder game, uh, the Durant Thunder game I think will be interesting. So I, I mean, obviously Oklahoma City's got a great team and this, that, and the other. But um, you know, I, saw, I don't know. Something tells me that, that, like, that could be the game where everybody thinks that they got no shot, and somehow they, uh, they, uh, they, they it out. But. Uh, I can't wait for the Golden State game, I and mean, obviously, it's like knowing the Beals are coming. <laughs> I have, I, it is real. I mean, I think I've said this again on the podcast. I think multiple times, but it is what the closest thing since the seventy-two win Bulls, right? Like they're basically there's the Rolling Stones on tour. <laughs> they're, they're 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 Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift and her squad on tour coming coming to your city. 
Because <laughs> it's all it's all positive. Like and obviously, like the, the LeBron and 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 D Wade and Bosch team with Miami, you know that was crazy. But you know, so many people couldn't stand them. Th- this is different. This is everybody. I mean, unless you're, you know, I get it if you're the, you know, maybe Cleveland. You're not a big fan, but you know what I mean. It's hard to not like the Warriors. So it feels like, uh, you know, I, and I don't mean that in terms of you're rooting for them, but like you're not. You you hate them in the moment because that's the team you're playing against. You don't hate them the way you hate the you know the Bill Ambeer Pistons regardless. Or even yeah, even Jordan. I think people will love the Jordan. But yeah, Dennis Rodman. It's not like people really. He was controversial, right? And yeah, you know, there's there's some a lot of teams came to see Jordan, but there was Jordan fans, I guess. But you know, it wasn't like it was all everyone loved the Bulls. Yeah, this is this is different. I mean, I think it's just the. Steph Curry's a little guy, and he shoots awesome threes, and he has a you know, funny little daughter, like, and, and they have personality. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're having fun, and they're kind of talking trash a little bit, but it, they seem to get a slide on the whole talking trash the way other teams kind of get get hammered on. Oh, but, <laughs> can I, can I, okay, we're running, we're running super yeah, long, but yeah. who cares? So, you, the other night when they were playing, well, it wasn't the Spurs. Who did they play after the Spurs? The Cl- uh, or whatever. It was a game the other night where Steph Curry makes one of his ridiculous, you know, 35-footers or whatever, and he starts jumping up and down the court, like, like sort of hopping back, like pounding himself in the chest. And I was thinking about it, like, you know, he keeps doing this a lot more lately, and, and I don't really have a problem, but if this was, instead of being Steph Curry, if this was, I don't Jer- know. Jared Rose. Uh, it was Derek you know, John Wall and yeah, or John Wall and Colin Coward gets on a rant or something. You know, if you had a different guy, you would some people would be like, "Oh, see, look at that guy." But Steph Curry, nobody seems to care when he does when he does that. That's how much people love them. Oh, like they, they're completely adored by everybody right now. Oh, you're and they just and they just kill people, and it feels like once they're up fifteen, it's over. <laughs> you know, like other teams in the NBA, they can be up. You're like, oh, everyone goes on a run. Everyone goes on a run. The Warriors are up 15 double digits. I'm like, this game's, this game's over. <laughs> by, by the way, like, I know that D- Draymond Green would destroy Ubre, right? It, it, you know, in, in, in a, in a head to head matchup. But like, if the Wizards were to actually play them and like legitimately try to keep up with that small ball thing, I almost feel like Ubre would have to play the five, which isn't to say he should or shouldn't. <laughs> I only bring it up just to say that I think that, like that's how interesting I think he is as a prospect. Not to say I don't find other people want to tell me he's great now, but he's so interesting what he can do that I would almost be curious to see if they they won't do it this game because Whitman's not going to do it. But if they had that lineup of you know Ubre, Otto, uh, Wall, Beal Temple, I'm in for that lineup. <laughs> um, Beal Temple or Beal Dudley, you know, I mean... Beal Dudley, you know, yes. Beal Dudley, Beal Dudley, Wall, P- Porter, Ubre. <laughs> right, right. I mean, because you'd have, you know, Steph against John Wall. You'd have Beal against Clay Thompson. You'd have... Yep. Um, you have Porter versus uh, Harrison Barnes, right? Guadalas in there. That makes Dudley even easier. But, you know, whatever. And then, so the interesting one, therefore, is Ubre against Draymond Green. <laughs> if, if Ubre could hang, I doubt he can... But if he can hang, then you know, don't the Wizards look pretty good elsewhere? That that would that would be really fun. That'd be something lineup 
that you could play an NBA 2K video game, but uh, Randy Whitman would never would never do that. Also, too, the word you didn't see how the word. Well, didn't didn't Curry talk? He talked a bunch of trash about the champagne the other night. Right in the locker rooms, he wanted to smell champagne. Well, by the way, I I enjoy this. This is entertainment. You know, I like I like Muhammad Ali. I like boxers talking trash. You know, I like the entertainment aspect of selling it all. But you know, when he does like a layup too, he like holds his hand. He doesn't want to scoop shots. He'll like hold it almost all the way to half court. Maybe that's the skipping one you're talking about <laughs> too. <laughs> I was like, man, most people get smashed when they do that kind of stuff. I mean, something well, like. LeBron, over the years, especially when he was in Miami, you know, he would say the most benign things, and everybody would just completely rip it apart. It has some other meaning. What is this? You know, oh, what's he saying? Whatever. And uh, I was probably one of those people. But but that's because he's not adored universally. He's liked by certain people. But Steph Curry could say things that are far more colorful and nobody's even noticing. And my Green's straight up saying them too. Draymond Green is like open mic. <laughs> He'd be fun to cover though, wouldn't he? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Grumpo. Uh, I, I, I can't let it go. Can't let it go. Tomas, you made a Tomas Sadoransky reference earlier and uh, Tomas, Tomas. Uh, yeah, there, I can give you an update on him. Supposedly he might come back. I don't know. Uh, I think he's coming. I, I would bet he's coming back. You think he's coming, well, coming over? Coming over this year? Uh, it makes yeah, sense. That's, that's the sense I got. I mean, which isn't to say, you know, I, I've talked to him, but uh, really? that's the sense I get. And you know, again, if you look at it, you know, I think I think the thing for him, I'm interested by him. To mean, you know, you never know, but he looks like a legit athlete. Like if he were to come over and be the athlete he appears to be on YouTube in the games, like you know, the highlights, I can see. You know, again, I'm not saying he needs to come in and be an all-star, but if he could be just be an athlete like that, you know, I think that does a lot for them because he's a, you know, they could not, not to go crazy, but now they would have like three guys on the wing who are like six, seven. Well, he can dunk, he can yam on people, and he can pass. He definitely can pass. Whether or not he's quick enough to defend, whether or not he can shoot the ball, or the two, the two question marks, and but his shooting has really improved. It's just hard to tell. But he is athletic. There's no doubt about that. He's athletic and he's long, and, and he can, and, and he has basketball instincts of passing. You, you know. So, so I, when I when I complain about him, I always say that he still can be good. I always use that. I always make sure to add that. It's just the wow. We could have maybe used a player the last four years, but you know. By, like by the way, uh, I, I have a I have a observation about the, we talked about Grunfeld before. You look at the at his draft. When I was doing my mock drafts, I didn't ponder Ubre going to the Wizards partly because I thought he would go earlier, and partly because it just doesn't it didn't seem like from a position. I just kept thinking, big man or shooter, right? That would seem to be like going where we were a year ago, a, a, a big man stretch four or a a guy that could shoot. But they added some shooters with Dudley and so on. Anyway. But Ubre, what I re- thought about after they picked him was Ubre screams upside. He's not good this minute. He's pretty raw, but he screams upside. And you know who else had that profile? Jan Vesely and JaVale McGee. <laughs> Two guys, great athletes, but they weren't ready yet. I mean, I, Vesely just had no confidence, and you know, JaVale, we, you know, he's JaVale. So Ubre falls into that. So all of those kinds of picks, and Sederanski, I guess you have to say, is more like that, those have not worked out to this point. You know, Uber, you know, seems good, but who knows. 
But when he's gone safer, now obviously John Wall is pretty safe, the number one pick. But Bradley Beal, he could have gone for guys who were maybe a little flashier or, you know, or riskier. Uh, you know, you, you know, Andre Drummond was a big risk. People forget that. Anyway, uh, but, but him, Otto Porter, pretty safe. And at this point, he looks to be safe. I mean, he's not. So it's just interesting. When he's gone for the big home run, that guy hasn't worked out so much. When he's gone for the upside but safer, that, that has worked out better. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Michael Jordan, for uh, drafting Michael Kidd Gilchrist at number two. So he was able to get that safe Bradley Beal pick at three, too. I just want to. I always want to get a little jab to Michael Jordan. It makes me makes me feel better. <laughs> but you're right. Yes, yes. I I hate ending this podcast on giving. I'm going to go for credit, but I do think. And, and another one maybe is Aaron White. You know, I'm a, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye. Go Hawks! And I'm going to see them take on uh, the undefeated. They're undefeated in the Big Ten play and take on the Maryland uh, Terrapins tomorrow up in College Park. So I'm really excited about that. But I read some good things about Aaron White. It looked like a big club in Israel wanted to buy out his contract with Germany, and Germany said no. Still doesn't look like he's been able to shoot that well, but he's shown some talent, and it's a good sign that one of the top European clubs already wanted to uh, – already saw something good in to play. I, I don't know why the particulars of why the German club – didn't didn't sell his rights or how that even all works, but some positive European <laughs> wizard news for you right there. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, not to not not to like you know we're focusing on this year, but like if you really look the next year, if both of those guys come over, so they would have on some level John Wall and Sadaransky as like the point guards. You'd have Beal at the at the two. You'd have Otto and Ubre at the three. You have Aaron White. You know, I guess he's some sort of a four, maybe. So I'm not saying that that's like all you got eight all stars. I just mean like all of a sudden you have a lot more young guys on the team than you do. Like right now, now it feels like it's like three. You know, there's only four of them. So I mean, and and we're not even talking about there's also a first round pick that would be in there also. Correct. Today, uh, basketball draft express had them taking a six nine uh, shooting guard from Turkey. I forget his name. I tweeted it out. They they have him. Uh, he's six eight. He's eighteen years old, and he's a really good shooter. I, I didn't see if he's athletic. It looked like he could actually shoot the ball, which would be a little bit different than usual. But I think he did make a good point. Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they could have a lot of young athletic legs for the most part, which they really don't. I mean, if Wall doesn't dunk it and Ubre doesn't dunk it. Beal's usually hurt. There's not much dunking going on. There's not much, not much going on behind the rim. I still, they still need to find a way to get uh, an athletic young big that you mentioned. Someone, someone under 25 that's got some shot blocking ability. Maybe they go for an upside type of pick with their first round, an athletic, athletic guy uh, from a college standpoint. Agree? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, that that's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can always go back and look at all kinds of things. You know, if they had taken Earl's Noel instead of Otto Porter, uh, you know, who obviously, you know, I, I, I'm cool with Otto Porter, but if you had Nerland's Noel here with the other, all the other players the same, I think, I mean, now you'd have a, a one, a two, a three, and a five. You know, that all of a sudden that team looks a lot different for the next few years than the team that doesn't have that big man. Um, and it's not just Otto, I mean, there's, uh, there's been other, um, 
you know, again, they could have taken Bobby Porter, who's not a shot blocker, but he's a six nine, you know, guy with range. Um, so you know how ha- you know how different it looks. So without having one young big, it is a little dicey. But you know, I'm not. It's something that they can they can rectify. Or, or how the hell do we get a Hassan Whiteside? Right? <laughs> like, where do you go find? Oh, where, where do you find that guy? Even though he's kind of a head case still. I don't know how much. I don't know how much they should really invest with him going forward. But no, can, he's not. He came out of nowhere though, and he definitely can block shots, and he's young. And young-ish, that's kind of why. Right? That's that's kind of why I said before, like instead of maybe having both Humphreys and Gooden, could they have you know taken some six ten, six eleven young guy who would have been in the D League otherwise? And you know, I mean, you know, I never heard of half these guys on the Spurs now, Jonathan Simmons or whatever. Like, <laughs> yes. so you know, guys come from nowhere and they can play. So. So, so, so Ben, it has been another monster pod. Sometimes we get together. I guess we're making up for, for all the season. Any, uh, any Super Bowl predictions? I know you're, you're a fantasy uh, football guy. I know you were out at Redskins Park a lot this year. Maybe that's why I knew that you were working hard throughout the year during the fall. Spent a little more time with the Redskins than you had in the past, I believe, correct? Uh, and so, you know, a little, let's end it on, uh, my fantasy, I don't want to talk about fantasy. Uh, my team's all choked, especially my best ones. So I'm a little bitter on fantasy. But just how the hell, how did the hell did the Broncos win that game? And is the Panthers going to stomp the Patriots out? And how pissed off are we about these storylines for the next 10 days? Which ones am I? Is this the Peyton Manning old white guy versus the young black quarterback? Or is there other storylines that are going to, be overplayed that are going to piss me off? And am I am I wrong to assume the Panthers will just kick their ass? Um, you know what's been funny to me about the playoffs? I mean, I, I'm always open to going with the contrarian opinion. When, when, you know, when people are going too hard in a certain way, you, you, you got to sense where they've crossed that line. And every round of the playoffs, there's been a game where I like, but then everybody liked it, and it seemed like it was too much. Like, I thought the Redskins would beat the Packers, but when everybody did, that got me nervous. Um, I kind of thought Seattle was going to beat Carolina, and then everybody said that was going to happen. I was like, really? We all talk about the number one seed, and then that may, and that didn't happen. And then this week, you know, everybody kept saying New England's going to kill Denver, and I'm like, look, it's in Denver, and Denver has the number one defense. Are we really saying they can't win? I mean, I still thought New England would win, so... If everybody feels like Carolina's going to blow Denver out, that's going to make me nervous. Because I think Carolina will win, but I think it feels like everybody thinks that. That That is true. I, th- I thought, hell, dude, I thought I thought the Cardinals were the best team I saw this year, honestly. <laughs> I, I, thought the, I thought it was going to be Cardinals New England. So what do, what do I know? Even though after I watched Carson Palmer play against the Packers, he didn't, he didn't look that well. I was like, ah. I'd probably take I'd probably take Carolina at home. I didn't see Carolina stomping them out the way they did. I don't. I still know how Carolina is so damn good with with the receivers they have. But Cam is awesome, and they make enough plays, and and their defense is obviously pretty outstanding. I think it really comes down to can can Denver run the ball, and how much of a pass rush can Von Miller and uh, Ware get on Cam and control him because. Cardinals really not getting much of a pass rush on Cam, picked him apart. New England couldn't run the ball at all, which then made Brady just be a statue back there. So those are kind of the things that I see uh, as, their, as your keys to the game 
And then obviously turnovers and special teams and stuff like that. But what about the storylines? What kind of journalism uh, do, should we expect? What, are there any other storylines out there that you've seen that they're going to try to push on us? Uh, I mean, I'm sure Von Miller is going to be a big deal, right? I mean, that was an amazing game, and he's going to be a free agent. He's had a little bit interesting path, I, uh, I believe. So I, I suspect he could be the sort of breakout media star. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking. Um, I, I will say this as far as the game. The, I, I, the question, I think, is Denver is built to play against a passing team in Carolina between Stewart and Cam Newton and Mike Tolbert like they can beat you up so is you know I think with with Denver's pass rush can Denver keep you know Miller and Ware on the field and you know if Carolina doesn't like pound them in there so that I think that'll be kind of interesting but uh yeah I mean I'm I'm cool with Peyton Manning were to win but I don't want to hear all the stories about how great Peyton Manning is right now he's not very good (laughs) he's bad he had two good throws he probably had he had I'll give him credit. He had those two good throws to the tight end. I don't remember him getting any other good throws. Like, no, I mean, I, he, if he had to hit, and I know it's all relative, like Denver or New England's playing a certain kind of defense because he's a certain kind of quarterback, but he missed so many open guys. If he hits <laughs> on a couple, and they win that game by 20 points. Um, it was the same versus Steelers, too. Yeah. I, well, you know, it, yeah, you... you it, I thought you got if you can get ahead, if Carolina gets the kind of lead, early lead like they've had the last two games, then I think Denver's in big trouble because I don't think he can come back. But when he's able to play from ahead and he doesn't have to make throws he doesn't want to make, then um, you know. So this is probably it, right? I, I mean, I still think they should. I still thought they were a better team with the the younger guy. I still, I mean, I know that he's banged up. Maybe he's injured now, but I I felt like he gave him more of a threat down the field and. He looked pretty good in the, the, the games that I watched. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't Osweiler? Really Osweiler, I, Osweiler, right? Osweiler. It, yeah, I kind of thought that... Uh, and then Peyton goes did. out and wins two playoff games, and what do I know? But then it, it goes back to the whole media where we give all the credit to the quarterback when they win, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, even look at that, that, that Denver, I mean, the Pittsburgh game. You know, they barely won a game against a team where the other quarterback was really hurt. They didn't have their best receiver, their top two running backs, and, you know, they barely won. So, in this game, if the New England makes the extra point, you know, who knows what happens. So, who the heck, who knows. But, hey, they, they made it good for them. Uh, I got Carolina right now, but I just hope everybody else doesn't because then, then it's not going to happen. Did you think Belichick should have uh, kicked one of those field goals, those field goals? Or are you okay with him going for all? That seemed to be the, the main debate on Monday. And I always find it an interesting debate when it's Bill Belichick because I always would say, you know, what would Bill Belichick do in this situation? It would be go for it. But it seemed like maybe he should have kicked that one field goal with six minutes left, especially with how well their defense was playing. It was just, and plus it was just a really weird play call. You rolled him out to try back to throw your receiver who, and then let a tight end going right at Brady. I mean, a defensive end free at Brady, and then he didn't even run past the line. I don't know. I thought it was a bizarre play call. If you are going to go for it instead of something. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, I do think that Denver's D, I think that was just one of the better defensive performances I've seen really like ever. Um, I mean, I mean, what, what was the stat that Tom Brady got hit? Like I, more, I think it was, he got hit. Definitely got to hit more than any quarterback this season, but I think I heard it was like any quarterback since 2006. Yeah, it was since they've started the stat. 
like ten years <laughs> in any right. game. In any game, I was like, "Holy shit!" Right in, in any <laughs> right in any game. So, I mean, that is insane. I mean, how, New England's offensive line can't be that bad. So that was pretty insane. Um, which is why, like I said, I think Von Miller could be a uh, could could be a thing. I, yeah, I don't think this game is a. I just think if Carolina can get ahead, I think Denver's in trouble. But if Denver can keep it close or get get ahead, and Peyton Manning doesn't have to make you know the throws he doesn't he can't make. Then I think you know they got a shot. Uh, you know, with my Nebraska roots, I just want to make sure I was able to bet on a prop bet with how many Omaha's. I didn't really hear too many Omaha's last last game. I did hear some during the Pittsburgh game, <laughs> but I was in a bar, so maybe I was missing some of the sound of the Omaha's. Did we ever hear why he says Omaha? Like, why specifically that? <laughs> I don't. Well, the thing is, was it, whatever it was the year. It was the year this, they lost the Seahawks. There was some prop bet. It was, it was like, cause he said it like 27 or 20, it was over 20 times and then Omaha did a commercial and it was a big deal in Omaha and then he said it like hardly any in the Super Bowl. So, so you, you got the way under. I don't, I don't think they really, I can't remember the, it's something about an audible, but I think it's something about audible he won't tell you what it means. So, something about an audible and a snap count. So, you know, it's that, it's that, that veteran savvy of Peyton Manning, who's going to do the audibles and win the game. <laughs> by, 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 the, by the way, I will say this. I do think the Peyton Manning, I, I've always been Tom Brady over Manning, largely just because in the playoffs, Peyton Manning has just not been as good as, as Brady or as his usual self. I just think that's pretty much a fact. But I, but the fact that he's he was always a favorite, now he's like the underdog, and I'm not saying he's, like, great. I mean, basically, he's Trent Dilfer at this point in terms of a guy who's not going to overwhelm you, but he'll get the job done. Uh, but now, because he's the underdog, it seems like there's less pressure on him, and I almost wonder if that's a better spot for him. It's always seemed like before when he was the favorite that in these big moments, he just, you know, I'm not saying it was always, it's all on him, but a lot of times he, he wasn't, you know, himself, and I always thought that he wasn't, you know, the, the pressure of the situation maybe got to him, but as the underdog... Maybe that's a better spot. Yeah, like Peyton Manning, game manager, a <laughs> little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit easier and less pressure than Peyton Manning. I have to make these clutch throws and tight windows and winning situations. Instead, he would watch the rush and get rocked a lot and lose how many playoff games. Even though I saw the stat that he is now three and one against Brady in AFC title games. <laughs> Which seems like a crazy stat. I don't know why that is, but all right, Ben. That, uh, this is still a Wizards podcast, but thank you, man. Hey, it's great. Are, are, am I going to see you? In, uh, when, what's what's your story? What do you got? What are you working on for the people? What's that? You know, uh, pump yourself up. I don't. You, I know you write for. I know you cover the Hoyas and the Wizards, and obviously NFL stuff. Fantasy never stops. What? What? Tell the people what you got going on. Uh, you know. If you're listening to this far on the podcast, just know we appreciate you listening. And, uh, you know, th- c- c- come play with Adam and I on Twitter, and uh, we can talk more Wizards or uh, Ernie Grunfeld or Carolina or whatever you want. Um, but, Adam, I appreciate it. Always a fun time. And, uh, yes, we definitely made up for lost time. For sure. I, I will be uh, putting this into uh, to two different podcasts. I'm not going to make someone listen for uh, for almost two hours. But, yeah, man, it was great. I, I don't know if we, what we accomplished, but there's definitely some good stuff. This team, continually listen. I'm not going to give up. I, 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 it's almost a pep talk to every every time. But I still see 
it's a dark, dark cloud out there, but I still see some positive rainbows out there. And just stay, stay with, stay the course, and just, just, just wish for a healthy panda. Let's just get a healthy panda with John Wall for a month or so. Let's see what this team can do. But thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it. Uh, everyone, everyone, go follow Ben on Twitter. I will I'll link everything in the show notes. And, uh, you know, as always, go with. Make me feel